Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Good morning to you and welcome to this week's installments of Beyond Governance here at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrod Mbele. I am delighted to share this space and time with you as we continue to push the leadership agenda as it is a precursor for economic development. In my view, there is a positive correlation between economic development, equity, redress and quality standard. Transformation, in my mind again, it is just not a social imperative but it is equally a business imperative. Hence, the issues of equity, redress, and quality standard are important. It is on this basis that from time to time, we call upon thought leaders who have lived experience and be able to share their views in a way that changes the narrative in a positive way. We invite thought leaders whose positive posture and can create a better trajectory for the country moving forward as we emerge from the economic recovery, thanks to COVID-19 and corruption. Before we get into the gist of our conversation, it is customary to express strategies to members of the team. On that note, thank you very much, Busima Singer and Harry Sikele, for the sterling work. As we move along, if you miss any of our shows, not to worry, simply visit our website, which is www.highfm.com, download the podcast, and most importantly, let us know what you think. Your views are most welcome via our SMS line, which is 34519. In our conversation today, I'm joined by James Ngoba, who is an artistic director at the Jobek Theatre. The essence of our conversation is about intricacies of the world of arts and how South Africa is positioned. So I'm looking forward to have uh, that conversation. But as a norm, you know, I'm, I just felt pretty much anxious to start off this conversation by perhaps maybe reflecting on some of the issues that we've picked up in media just before we get to my conversation with James. There are a number of ministers who aren't living up to the expectation, particularly in the context of them having to respond to sets of questions to the MP. Typically, members of parliaments will pose questions to ministers of police, ministers of defense, ministers of arts and culture, and so on and so forth. It is emerged, you know, through the report by the National Assembly Speaker, Nasivio Mapisa and Makula, wherein she named and shamed a number of ministers. The reason I'm raising this issue because it's in also the democratic dispensation, the democratic position of this country, which in my view will always remain a fallacy from unless, you know, we, we, we are true to our roots, unless we are true to accountability. You know, accountability is a hallmark of democratic governance in absence of accountability and leadership, which we all expect member of parliament to display. And when, when you think of some of the questions, some of, some of the questions that the minister failed to answer, it really makes you wonder. Top of the list according to national speaker is Tani Mudise, you know, as a chief culprit. She had outstanding 27 questions. And these questions, you know, they've been piling up over a period of time. And when you look at the 
portfolio of defense and well it had so many questions, 27 questions, um, which have not been answered. One of them for me is about the porous borders. It goes to show that it, there's a bit of a mayhem there. Hot on the heels uh, is the former Minister of Transport, Figlon Baduna. We know that he has resigned to assume a full-time job at, at the ANC as a Secretary General. With him, he had about 18 unaddressed questions. And you look at the position of public transport, 18 answered questions. Hmm. It makes you wonder, isn't it? The other minister is the uh, former Kogda minister, Nkosasana uh, who have obviously been moved to a different portfolio. She's now responsible for Ministry of Women, Youth and Children. In her previous position, she had about 12 outstanding questions. Lindy Wesisulu, you know, is the fourth tedious minister with about nine outstanding questions. She has resigned nine outstanding questions. We also had, you know, the Minister of Health, Joe Parker, with six questions. Ronald Ramula with five questions. Stella with three questions. The reason why I'm, I'm, I'm raising these issues as a concern to you and I as ordinary South Africans that members of parliament, if they cannot account to their principal in parliament, how is it possible that they're going to account to us? I don't see it. I really don't see it. So why have rules if these rules are not going to be followed? You have a simple bylaws, you know, we have bylaws up to local government level, provincial level, and so on and so forth. So most of these laws are not being followed. And it goes to show where the, the pattern is being set. It is unfortunate, but these are some of the things that we all need to address at some point. Anyway, moving forward, I just want to perhaps maybe paint a picture about the arts and culture fraternity, uh, which is the essence of my conversations with uh, Jason Gogol, which I will introduce in a second. We know that uh, this industry contributes about 90 billion rands to the national economy. And having said that, it makes it incredibly important that public funded arts and culture, heritage sites, you know, events and so on and so forth are being given sufficient grounding, sufficient support and we do know that the biggest contributor, you know, uh, is the design, is, is the design and creative service with about 50%. The sector obviously include fashion, design, advertising, and so on and so forth. So it is also important, therefore, that we, we get the inside view on the look and feel of this very important sector. Obviously, James will reflect on his own personal experiences as he has been on this uh, journey for some time now. Without any waste of time, let me uh, introduce the legendary James Wobble, who is an artistic director at Jobek Theatre. Uh, James, once again, thank you very much for agreeing to grace the Beyond Governance Airways. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sir Bell, for inviting me. Really appreciate getting this space to have this banter with you. Absolutely. You know, James, like I've said, a legendary James Wobble. Perhaps maybe let's step back uh, for somebody who's listening to the show for the first time. You know, we are global citizens. Just give us a sense. Who is James Weber and what inspired him to pursue this wonderful world of art? James is really a guy who's been caught in the whirlwind of story for a very long time. I have had this an obsession with, 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 with story, with how it's told, with why it's told with who tells it, with what is the pertinence of telling it, how does a story ha- have a conversation with a contemporary tapestry, and also the idea of how, um, what do we do 
to look for stories that are beyond our borders. Because if you look back, if you just rewind the tape to like maybe three decades in this country, our story was the story that we had that was sometimes one-dimensional because we were dealing with a landscape that was quite hectic and there was a bigger focus on writing about that time. And for me, as the country was changing, I was really fascinated with the idea that we are able to walk through the streets of the different cities in this country and we hear different lilts, we hear different languages and you think there are people that have moved to these shores. Not only are they the new audience that has come to South Africa, but they come bearing the gifts of story. And so when you say who is James, James really is that person who's constantly saying, how do we excite and surprise the people that we persuade to come to the theater to watch the works that we put on. And at a time when what we do competes with with so much, there's DSTV, there's Netflix, there's Apple TV, there's all sorts of things. And I always introspect and ask myself a question that if we're not making good work, why must people leave their homes and come to the theater? And so I'm always just then looking for a a sense that one is never complacent about one does and the freshness of it. But, yo, but my love of it dates way back when I was growing up and I was still at school. And one year I had a beautiful collision with a man called William Shakespeare. And it was in a set work that we were doing called called The Merchant of Venice. And I had a really amazing um, English teacher who will walk into class and and dissect this 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 the story that is written in that language with, with that meter that that Shakespeare wrote in. But there was a way in how these words were weaved together that absolutely grabbed me. At that time, I knew I wanted to write. I knew that I wanted to be in a space where people sit, a raconteur stands in front of them and say once upon a time. So I always um, reflect back to, to the Merchant of Venice. I mean, I was in the UK last year. I watched a production of Othello at the National Theatre in London. And yet again, the words came gushing down. And it is about that. When, when we tell stories to people, we remind them that one of the most beautiful things we treasure in, in life is, is for somebody who takes a moment and tell you a story. Absolutely, absolutely. Fascinating, uh, you know, uh, insight that you've just shared with us there, James. And I'm sure the listeners are glued to, to the, uh, radios as we speak because it's amazing just to hear the passion that comes out of your mouth. And, and you certainly are living exactly what you, what you say. Um, maybe let's take a step back. You, you raised a number of few important points which I want to personally leverage on, which is that of competition. The world of art is highly competitive space, and you've said you, you're obsessing with finding new ways to attract uh, new audiences while retaining, you know, the current audiences, which is quite significant. So, which means, you know, there are certain things that keep you up at night I, as an artistic director. Could you just share with us, if you are in your bed um, and thinking very hard, and sometimes you can't sleep because you, you're thinking about how to reposition? What are the some of the poignant points or issues that keep you up at night? 
I guess I've been insomniac for years, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I am constantly, you know, before I got into the space that I'm in now, the, the Jobbik Theatre, I was at the market, but the, before that, I was artistic director of um um, um 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 in Amsterdam. I was I was running um a festival called Afro Vibes, and being able to work in 19 cities in Europe with this festival. And when you curate a festival, you make one this year. As it ends, you are immediately thinking of the next installation. And what you're thinking about is how do you make somebody who's been to that festival come again. You tickle their curiosity with the stuff that is concocted for that installation that is curated for that installation. But then you think how, I love it when you use the word retain. How do you retain that person? And so in, in an artistic world, people tend to think that we, and people from the arts are all passion, are all showy, showy. But behind that is the slogging that is unbelievable. Because if you are not looking at fresh ways to make work, you are behind the theater that does. And if you are not, if you're not always asking yourself that what is the next story? What is the next narrative that we tap into? You are definitely behind the theater that bothers itself to think that. So comes a very interesting part of what one does, the business part of it. When you start thinking about, well, what is the core of the business? What is the, the business module that drives this space? And how are we wanting the space viewed as an audience? And one of the things that people who have worked with me will attest to is how I'm constantly talking about the need for spaces to be eclectic. For me, when I say eclectic, it's not just taking everything else because you want to tick all the boxes, but in the brilliance that you are wanting to exhibit in the spaces, you look in terms of genres, in terms of styles, in terms of like the styles of writing, styles of directing, in terms of people you work with who, who are librettists, who, who are song composers, you are always looking for a thing that oozes a sense of a universality in a space. Uh, because when uh, a space is stuck in a pigeonhole, it's a very sad space. Certainly a number of food for thought. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back on this brilliant conversation. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. Uh, Nimrod Nabela here. I'm joined by the legendary James Wilbo, who is an artistic director at the Johannesburg Theatre. We are dissecting the intricacies of the world of arts, you know, from the South African perspective. Before we took that quick break, James was giving us insights as to what keeps him up at night. Apparently, this, this insomnia has been lingering for years. Quick point that he reflected is that of, you know, the, the, some of the 
tours he undertook a while ago, I mean, making reference to Afro vibes, wherein he toured about 19 cities. The interesting point about him is that when you've got piece of work, you always anticipate what is next uh, and how to attract the new audience, how to keep the current ones and how you create compelling business case uh, that would ensure sustainability of your product. I mean, I find that a very fascinating, which also looks or talks to the business model of creative arts. And I just want to perhaps maybe go to that part because arts, it's business. If you don't have the certain fundamentals of arts in a business curatorship point of view, the issue that he has mentioned of universality, of brilliance, and of putting together different sorts of genres in, in the most uh, uh, symphonic way, so to speak, will not be leveraged optimally. So, James, as we come back to this fascinating point around the business model, look, you've traveled extensively throughout the world, which that on its own, it's, it's an accolade on your end. What extent do you think this world exposure has enriched your business acumen and, and how this business acumen is being supported by um, South African government? Because arts and culture, um, it, it, it's it's integral part of who we are as a society. We are importing skills. We're importing ourselves to the world. And we can't import those kinds of gifts, those stories, if we are not supported. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciate and feel blessed that when one is gallivanting everywhere and meeting an artistic director who are as passionate as I am about the idea of story is it has seen a thing that there are countries that I've been to where the arts are like a pivot of society and where there is a certain pedestal that is given to the arts, where where there is a collective agreement from the powers in that country um, to the funders that are there, that people believe that a country that doesn't tell its own story or stories is the saddest place you could ever be in. You then, as you as you meet more and more people, you understand the importance of the arts. I mean, you take for an example, when you walk around cities, you look at architecture, which falls under the ambit of the arts. You look at the story of design that gets told by the buildings that you see in different parts of the world, the preservation of those buildings, that if you are somebody who is visiting, you are taken through centuries when you're walking a couple of blocks and you look at the aesthetic of the city, you sit down, you break bread with people, you get to eat their food, and when you eat with people, you're eating their culture. And you eating gastronomically, they're able to tell stories that we've been cooking like this. And when we were colonized by these people, the food changed to this. Or when we ventured out, this is what we discovered. So all of that leads you to a moment when you have then the story about just the collision of biographies about people that live in those pockets of the world that one has been able to visit. But also the idea that beyond all of that, and these are parts of the world where there's greater funding that is given, but artistic directors are made to understand that whatever you dream, it has to be in synchronicity with the purse 
that you have. You cannot be a person who is in an artistic bubble that is not realistic to the fact that you can make the most beautiful work, but it has to speak. When you say on this fiscal year, this is what I have. You need as an artistic director to fit in everything that you are envisaging that you want to do that year and, and, and put into, into the reality that I can afford to do this because this is what has been allocated and whatever I do cannot exceed this. And then this becomes like really the most amazing discipline because we are all uh, um, dealing with, with very difficult financial climate all over the world. And what happens, I sit with my team, I said, when we don't have much resources, it is not a stifler for us in terms of making great work. We need to take this time that we at as a new challenge and say, you know, how do we make work and not be sentimental about another time that is gone? How do we make work in the now with what we have now? So that kind of exposure for me in in traveling, in sitting in rooms and planning works together with artistic directors of, I mean, I've worked in, in cities like Utrecht, like Antwerp, you, you know, um, Manchester, Hull, you know, in London, I've done a lot of work. And you get to understand that the arts is not a thing that is just on its own. The arts is so interwoven with, with life, with the things that, that, that happen in that. And so you use that and then you draw also in terms of like the people you meet from different parts of the world, you start walking with a what if what if this person met this person at this point and the consequence of the meeting is this, can this be a thing that can grab an audience and sit, so that also then takes me to the idea that you have to be also very choosy as an artistic director, in terms of what is it that you do, you have to be absolutely choosy. And, and sometimes it's a thing that brings you a lot of malice from the sector. And people say, oh, he's not taking, he's not taking the work that I pitch, I pitch to, to him. But you have to be choosy. And that when you are putting together a program, you need to start thinking, can the head of marketing sit down with me and see what I'm doing? Can we create narrative that is around marketing that is going to bring bums on seats so that we, we, we are able to, 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 to have an audience watching this work? What constituency am I speaking to when I'm making, ma- making this work? Is this the work for the loyal patronage that has been coming to the theater for years or am I wooing or courting a new audience? person with an idea that they become the future audience. So it's almost like when we go to a restaurant, we sit, we order food, but we don't understand the line that is at the back and, and that how chefs and, and all the way to the sous chef with the sauce, how they put things together is so beautifully orchestrated that you just meet a waiter, you order, and the next thing they bring food to you. But for me, I've always been um, 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 fascinated with the idea of making people who might not be so, um, might not understand the intricacies of my sector to say it goes beyond the actor, the singer, the dancer are the face of a lot of work that is done by people that you never get to meet. And, and I love talking about the ecosystem behind the artist. When an actor walks on stage, Nimrod, and he says it was a dark and stormy evening, that could just be a line. 
or it could be a line supported by a sound um, designer, by a lighting designer to create that and take an audience to where the actor is want to locate them. And I go to boardrooms, I sit with people. I've taught myself over the years when I park and I always say to myself, leave passion in the car. <laughs> and, and just the passion is not needed upstairs. And, 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 and I live it and you jump on a lift with just a sense of clarity. Because you are going to speak to people who are about the bottom line and people who are say who are about the value add, who are saying, why must we give you this money? Because we didn't give it to, to, to guy A and guy B who came to see us the other day. What's so special about you? That's a very interesting perspective that you're sharing, particularly when you look at, of course, your business model. You're very clear in, in your articulation that as the artistic director, you have to work with what you have in terms of budget allocation. And there's always more demands than, than what you have. You'll have multiple of requests and you decline those because you're very pandemic. You're very selective and choosy the word that you described. And how do you, because because that is the biggest challenge in this country, you'll be very clear that what you finally choose, it has to be that which makes value or that adds value to the ecosystem. Because I like the words that you've used. I mean, when you see an actor, you see a dancer, the music they play, the lighting, uh, the stage, um, you know, formation and so on and so forth. There are so many tentacles. Um, we only see the end product. So it is important that when you see figures, you have to go beyond those figures and say, you know, what are we actually paying for? But be that as it may, most people always to be very angry at you or disappointed that, you know, you're not playing game or you're playing tough and so on and so forth, which is understandable because when you're running a business, you're running a business and uh, the funders, the shareholders um, are looking for how to stretch the rent which brings to my other point that part of your entrepreneurial ethos, what is the extent or to what extent are you collaborating with other funding institutions, other entities to improve your pace or you, you know, to improve the, your, your, your funding so, so, such that you're able to accommodate more and more of these requests that comes through? I love that because that, that, that also takes one uh, back to the idea of innovation. In 2014, one of the things that I introduced um, in, in, in this country, and or to say I was the first artistic director to publicly articulate the need for that content to be seen, I went on and directed nine other productions, introduced what one would call um, Black History Month, which is, is a diasporic concept that was that was started in, in, in America, in Canada, in the UK, just talking about stories that have been written by Tony Award and BAFTA Award winning uh, um, playwrights that and and those countries uh, um, committed to the recognition of those words and I brought that idea here because I have always also loved the idea that we are in sync with the universal narrative in terms of story and when I started doing that I went and pitched this idea what was then the, 
the the ambassador um, of the of of the United States and a, a guy called Patrick Gaspard, you know, you know, with the colleagues that I was working with at the time. But I was a I was the first artistic director to stand out in the arena and say, "This is what we're gonna do every year in February." And I looked for for fascinating words to put on, and we slowly started started building a business. For um for this content and then and then I remember sitting and um at, at a restaurant in Pretoria with some people who were who were Americans and and I was talking and we you know we were all just talking and the one guy said to me James I've always heard you talk about Black History Month and I've always wanted to correct you because you you're always wrong with it and I said what do you mean he says you always say in and um, um at the theater that you work for it's the only theater in the country that does Black History Month And I said yes And he says you're wrong And I said why He says it's the only theater On the continent mm. There is nowhere In Africa Where that work is, 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 is put together That is when I was still At the market theater That work is staged And I'm at the Joburg Theater now We've just staged A production of Fences by, by, by August Wilson That played to Unbelievable audiences And next year I'm directing Dozaka Shanges For Colored Girls Which is a famous Broadway Broadway piece So you take that And then I start Directing um, um, Wallace Shoyinka's works Wallace Shoyinka Is a recipient of, of the Nobel Prize for Literature he is produced all over the world His writing is just beyond beautiful And started doing that work To my really absolute delight I not only saw Nigerians coming to the show We saw a whole lot of West Africans Coming to see the, 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 the production And South Africans who are, who are curious about reading stories And slowly I then established Then what I to this day call continental curiosity So Already you see how I'm taking these things into the business model and when you place them there, they're, they're thinking that you become the only theater that thinks like that and already you are attractive to the funder because there is no sense of myopia about how you think. You are thinking like how one would walk in, in, in London, in Camden Town or you in Amsterdam and in Bema Park where on a clear Sunday with a cappuccino in hand there could be people from Every nation in the world just milling about that the, the park is teeming with people on on their different um, journeys, and that is how for me I always view the space of of, of theatre. And I am an absolute freak for mentorship. I then sit with the influx of young people that are coming out of of universities and make young people understand that that this maze that we in that is the sector of the arts needs one to to be so fluid around how they think about it and and it's important that 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 we 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 give those keys to 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 young people so that they're not delusional about how they enter the 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 the, um, and the, the, the space of the arts they enter as, a, as storytellers but you're also saying to them you need to be very clear about how, what is it that you want you want to do because that makes you stand stand alone you don't want to be in a mix you know and and, and and I'm not saying it really in an arrogant way but really it's the fact if you're in the mix nobody who, sees you need to who, stand out 
This is when funding then gets attracted to you. This is when an audience, a person calls a wife from work or a mother or a friend they went to university with and say, let's go to the theater tonight to see this and that because it stands out. Uh, on that standing out issue, hey, James, you're using the word beautiful energy. <laughs> Unfortunately, we won't have to pay the bills. <laughs> we'll come back <laughs> just in a sec. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. Uh, we have just, we've got about a couple more minutes. Uh, I'm having a very interesting and fascinating conversation with the Lingerie James Noble, who is the artistic director at the Jobek Theatre. And the essence of our conversation is really about intricacies of the world of arts, arts and culture, uh, particularly from a South African point of view, uh, moving outward. Before we took that break, James made a number of uh, interesting observations and we just, just want to perhaps maybe hone in before we get to the idea of mentorship, which it's quite an important because that's how you really build your own timber. The, the whole point of building continental curiosity and the extent to which continental curiosity based on the content, which is not myopic, content that is appealing to wider, um, diverse nature of, of the continent. I, I find that very thought-provoking and very important to perhaps maybe spend time on. Again, James, on this issue, I mean, you, you have directed a number of, of pieces. To what extent is this notion of continental curiosity has been bought by other agencies for they see this universality? They don't see myopia. They don't, they see brilliance. Could you just take us through that? I mean, you've indicated that you spoke, you, you know, you pitched that year to the former, uh, you know, uh, uh, ambassador of, of the U.S. to South Africa. Obviously, other noted noble individuals, but in a continent yeah. where you can't export something that, you know, your own backyard folks don't believe in it, you know, Africa. So can you just take us through that in terms of but the buy-in, the support? I mean, people can say we like it, but are they supporting it? And are they partnering with you, enhancing what would be later defined as your legacy in articulating yes. this metaphor of Afrocentricity, so to speak, in the context of arts. Yes. I mean, like, there, there is a project that is soon to be announced that I'm going to be directing this year that is going to happen in Abidjan and, and Cote d'Ivoire. And, and when I was approached to do this work, I knew that somebody was really seeing what one was doing. And so when you talk about the buy-in, there's definitely been a beautiful buy-in that for me started being visible first with with audiences. I mean, and, and two years ago, I directed a story by an author called Dr. Chikodzi Obieme, who is um, a Nigerian Ibu and he is an associate professor at the University of Nebraska and cast and the most gorgeous story about present Nigeria. 
And the one that I did by Wallace Soyinka was a period story that is set around the time where you could look at Chino Achebe's Things Fall Apart, that kind of era. I did an adaptation working with Prahuma Sagela. I did a, an adaptation of a story from Mali. Which is um, a story called Sunjata, a famous, famous um, story from the 13th century, and 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 I adapted it and um, um, worked with Prayu and worked with Neil Solomon, who's Lebanese, and I brought him in because 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 if you listen to Malian music and Lebanese music, and there is just a beautiful synergy that that happens. I woke up one Sunday morning, went to Rosebank Mall because I remember saying to my wife, "Where do I meet?" A Malian And my wife said I don't know And I was thinking I thought Rosebank Mall I went to Rosebank Mall On a Sunday At the market And I met And a beautiful brother Called Saku Who I brought in We signed him a contract And he worked with me On this piece By the time the piece opened There was English In the piece There was Mandan There was Banbaro There was Arabic And it was the first time In the history of this country That people came to the theatre And saw It's South African actors Just really Having fun With languages From that part of the world And then we did a piece that is it was also around Congo and the time of Leopold, and then we started really getting um, um, ambassadors from the the Great Lake districts that were coming to watch. And you see, then one realized that we've caught the attention of these people. I've now gone on and sat with 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 a business business people from three uh, from two south and um, southern um, countries and one from from a country from the East who came to see the works that we were doing at that time and pitched stories to them and they are absolutely willing to support to see the visibility of the stories of their countries in this country, this country that has been struggling to find itself in this continent for quite a while because for, for quite a while we were alone as South Africans and so 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 to answer you is is the audience are grabbing it and 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 the business people I'm sitting with them and we we we're, we're looking at how fair that we take we take this work but also the contribution of an artistic space in helping and um, us who live in this country to understand that there will never be a time again when when we will live alone we lived alone yes. because it was it was during a party. There's no nation that lives alone. And to also say to people who have moved to South Africa that these spaces that one works at and these spaces that are kept open, their doors are kept open by the taxpayers' money, monies. And one always goes back to an idea of PM, PFM and the adherence to things that are compliant and all of that to, to say the new story that is told by these spaces is that at a certain time it was spaces where South Africans who looked a certain way enjoyed these places and we saw an evolution where everybody could go to these spaces and now we're saying we really have opened the circle wider. People from anywhere can come to these spaces and enjoy a story. So there is another interesting collision of the artistic space with life, with what is happening right now. And for me to be able to sit and um, one of the most fascinating projects that I got to do was was around paleontology. We were telling the story of of the um, the Homo erectus and and the hominids and 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 this is millions of years back. And to be able to direct this and see young people watching, you know, the science of origins 
it just, I, I, I remember I was driving home. I parked around Zoo Lake and I just walked around, around, around the lake just in, in, in such excitement that I was able to tell a story dates so way back. And so the, the arenas that we run uh, should really be a space like a blender that there is so much that gets to, told in, in those places. And I'm not contradicting myself when I said um, places should be eclectic. And, and I was talking earlier about being fussy and about being choosy because, because my, one of my mantras, Nimrod, is that there is no theater in the world that can do everything. But the things that absolutely fascinate a theater, you do them so well and they make you stand out. Exciting, exciting inputs uh, that you're sharing us on this glorious morning, James. One of the issues that you raised, which perhaps maybe uh, we could just punch hold on it, which is such an incredible way of building your own timber, that is that of mentorship. You said you're a freak of mentorship. I mean, we I could just see the youngsters that you bring under your wings just by sheer energy that you're displaying as we have in this conversation, the energy that you the kind of entrepreneurial thought process that goes into your mind as you walk around because you you come across as an observer. You know, you don't just walk, you you, you see things around and put them together. I mean, the idea of going to uh, Rosebank uh, to, you know, looking for Saku, as an example, it, it tells you that you, you are very spirited, you are very rigor in mining what is ultimately going to be a jewel. So the new timber that you are bringing in, we always have all sorts of, of young fellows who come through the this this maze of art and culture space. What would you say are the biggest stumbling block in in enhancing or perhaps maybe putting to scale the kind of adventure that you want to see happening? I'm really hoping that all the way, um, you can go all the way up to the Department of Arts and Cultures and Culture. There has to be a new thinking that needs to happen there around mentorship of the young. Again, if you're not mentoring your young, you're not looking at your future. It's just like, for me, it's that basic. And I'm finding, and, 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 and when you say a stumbling block, I, I really love that because we are really creating stumbling blocks and hurdles for young people who've been sitting at a university for four years um, studying um, um, the history of drama from all over the world. When they come out of universities, young people should not have the pleasure of immediately going to big soaps on television. And because when they do that, they go and die there. Because, because in that space, there is no time for mentorship. That is a, a sausage-making ma- machine. And if you, you, you're in a soap, you just shoot episode after episode. And a young person is left behind. So I then identified this space. I mean, like in 10 years, I've been able to mentor 46 young directors that have come from different universities in a dramatic space, in a space of movement. And one of them, I, we, we, we got to do a thing called Colaratura, which was um, a celebration of Verdi, of Puccini, of Mozart. And I took a young director who had studied at UCT, had never been really around classical music. And they said, 
they sat next to me from day one. We had six soloists and and an actress that we had written a story who weaved everything together. And I sat with this person. At first, I could see they were going, why has he invited me here? By the third day, the conversations I was having with this with this young young emerging director and just saying to them, you might just look at it and say it's classical music, but what is in that aria that she's singing from from or what is in in that aria that he is singing from the marriage of Figaro or from Cosi Van Dute or from um, um, Fidelio um, you, you know Puccini all of that. I said it's a story. The only difference about it is that it is accompanied by by cellos, by viola, by violin, and by 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 beautiful piano. But what it is, is a story. And I was saying to this young person, I need you to understand that to be a director, you don't need to lock yourself in a box. You need to be a director that is excited by directing things they've never touched on. The untapped territory that I was talking about earlier. And got him to, 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 to open the eyes of, 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 of young people and get them to read as much as they can around from stories from everywhere and when they sit in in the room and witness seasoned award winning actors finding their way through a text it is it is the most mind blowing thing for for young person and for them to understand that it's never perfect to see an actor that they've they've admired for years struggling with a role for 3 weeks and at one one day that actually just gets the role and you get them to understand that it takes a lot of time to find the truth of 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 the piece and to say if we're telling a story that has been told by a couple of directors from around the world a couple of times what what is different about this incarnation of the story what we, the thing i said earlier why are we telling it now and how are we telling it that becomes the stuff that one when one is mentoring that you expose young people to a young director how do they have a conversation with a lighting designer to guide a lighting designer and say there's a lot of pathos in this work and I want it to be lit in a way that it must feel cold. You know what I mean? Don't give me those ambers. They they give me hope. There's no hope in this piece. The, in, the hope only pops up at the end of the play. That is when I would love to get the sense of warmth of that sunrise. And you and for them to have clarity and sit with a soundscape person and 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 say I need you mm. to write music for this piece, but I'm not hearing a piano. I'm hearing absolutely. A, a you Absolutely. Know, so that so, is just so fascinating. I tell you why it's fascinating, uh, you know, James. It's fascinating because one, you can point out that you have add value to would be uh, directors. You've said you said with forty six youth, and you make them understand the intricacies of arts, and you 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 know it's, you put it beautifully that ultimately when you see performers, you know, performers are. Actually communicating, communicating a story through different instruments that have been used mm-hmm. and, and how you, how you get them to think creatively. Um, as you, as you're talking, um, I imagine myself, what does the light represent in a story? What does the darkness represent in a story? Mm-hmm. What different shades, uh, the kind of sorrow music, the kind of exciting music. So these are kind of nuggets that I'm picking up as I'm talking to you. I'm like, my goodness, 
especially me, my next life, I'm going to be a, a, a an, an artistic like yourself. <laughs> You're going to be to walk under ladders on stage. <laughs> if there's going to be, I need to come careful, back. Careful. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's have a quick break. Uh, we're wrapping up in just in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is the uh, Beyond Governance. We have uh, such a beautiful conversation with the one and only James Noble, who's really fascinating in so many ways. It's amazing how time flies when you're having such beautiful conversation that are thought-provoking, inspiring, and authentic in my view. And I certainly hope that you are feeling the same way as I do. James, we're wrapping up your part in short as something that really you want the world to remember, remember you by. Besides being a short, chubby Zulu man, <laughs> for me, I think is the the absolute love of the possibilities that can happen in a space when you put people in the room and create something. And I guess people who have worked with me, I just love that we don't have preconceived ideas so much about a work that the work lacks a spontaneity. And so, and then the post, the spontaneity is how you shape it all together to feel like you've taken years and years to think about it. But you just, and how I always say to people, we might be in a playful space, but we're not here to play. Absolutely. That's continuing my mantra. We might be in a playful space, but we're not here, we're not here to play. But you have to change the mind and soul. James, my brother, thank you very, very much for your inputs, which are undoubtedly brilliant. We wish you nothing but the best in your in your future endeavors. Thank you so much, Dr. Mbella. I really appreciate this moment with you. Thank you. Absolutely. There you go. That was James Noble, uh, legendary James Noble, to, uh, to be more precise, really giving us uh, beautiful insights of what it means to become a successful artistic director and how each and every storyline is interwoven into a product that is not only authentic, but that speaks volume about the history uh, and the trajectory of a particular country. I like the idea when you walk into, you know, streets of Europe or, or in Africa, for an example, just looking at, at the architecture, there's those kind of buildings you see are telling you a story. The kind of food that you eat tells you a story of that particular entity or that particular country. And you can create or curate a content based on those simple and yet significant uh, nuggets of us as human beings. Unfortunately, I believe it because we have run out of time. It has been absolutely beautiful. Shalom. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, 
It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.